Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a PH Philadelphia to subscribe and learn more. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fitness Philadelphia. I'm Dr. John Herding, and today it's my pleasure, as always, to interview the great Jim Ferris. What's going on, Jim? How are you? How are you, John? I'm doing good. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Um, we've known each other for a long time, and you've been a great mentor and colleague to me. So um, I just want to first put out there, I really appreciate everything you've done personally for myself. Um, but one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on is because you've done um, for both the Philadelphia area and as with the strength and conditioning industry as a whole, you've really been a pioneer in helping to um, lead the way and lead the charge for young professionals up and coming, and then to just really bring well-researched, pragmatic, easy information to the masses to show them that fitness and strength and conditioning and performance isn't super complicated if you do it the right way and, and, and you don't. Um, get lost in the weeds, so to speak. Right. Um, right. So I, th- so I think I, before we really get into it, why don't you give everybody kind of like who the, who you are, what got you into the industry, your background story to kind of give them a little bit of perspective of where you're coming from as we get deeper into the conversation. Okay. Um, I'm a born and raised Delco guy, you know, so I might have the accent come out on the podcast comes out more when you get me mad, certain words, kind of linger a little bit, but uh, I've been in the industry for about 20 years. I'm a Westchester University graduate, and I was lucky enough to, to have a local internship in Bryn Mawr. So like day one for me, I was working for a, a high level sports agent, and I was just exposed to a lot of things that, you know, some people might not get to like 10 years down the line or 20 years, and I, I was kind of doing it on day one. So uh, it was just a great opportunity for me and opened my eyes to a lot of I guess things that, how you said, working with younger people entering the industry, it's like, wow, like this is, this is in theory and practice, like this is reality. Um, dealing with personalities, uh, dealing with other coaches, uh, dealing with agents, dealing with managers, and all these things that just you're like, well, okay, I, I wrote you a perfect 60 minute program, but th- it doesn't fit into the reality of what we're dealing with day to day, maybe in certain situations. So. Um, I think I've had a lot of experience with, uh, seeing things from all different angles and, you know, I can kind of, I think help mentor and younger coaches understand like what happens in the real world versus from the classroom and how you blend them both, uh, you know, for the betterment of the people that you're serving. Well, yeah, because I've seen you work through the years that I've known you, I've seen you work with, and even before I knew you a 10 year old, you know, male soccer player, female soccer player, all the way up through one of the best basketball players in the world through working with the Sixers. Right. So tell me how that has kind of crafted your practice and, and what you said, like those athletes all have have vastly different requirements of their program and how their program is going to work for them. But I'm sure there's a lot of similarities too, between one of the, and Grant, you were probably working with the top five basketball in the world player in the world at the time you were with the Sixers. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm so I'm sure 
um, there's a lot of similarities also between the 10 year, 10 year old adolescent athlete and this, this high level athlete. Right. Because it, you know, the environment's different ages and stuff like that. But I think you look at it, it's like, it's a coaching opportunity, uh, somewhere different, somewhere else on the developmental chain for somebody. Like, can you coach someone that's never been coached versus someone that's coming in the NBA that's coming from, you know, an ACC, SEC school that's already had like eight years of exposure to somebody and you might just have to fine tune them. So, you know, there's this, there's a different enjoyment for, for, I think everybody that you get to work with because just where they are, but when you get to work with a 10 year old and then, you know, they're 17 and you you get invited to their graduation party and they got their, Mm -hmm. their scholarship offer and, you know, you, you get a picture with them, you know, with their letter of intent and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's better to me than, you know, babysitting a, a glorified professional at home for eight weeks mm-hmm. and uh, just going through motions, you know, like, I, I mean, I want to coach. I know coaching happens in very different ways based off situations, but like when you can really help make an impact on a, you know, a 10 year old, a 12 year old, um, maybe a kid that wasn't a starter or didn't make a team that is now progressing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, obviously there's things involved like puberty and things like that to help them get there. But um, when you're along for the ride with somebody for so long, like it starts at, you know, that age, you know, like inheriting Allen Iverson on a roster, like that's luck. Like, it's not like it was like, you know, I did anything to make that happen, but it was like, you know, I got to work with a lot of those guys and Chris Webber's and Iguodala's and then like, different veterans like Kevin Ollie, who, you know, was a guy that just learned how to hang around the league for 15 plus years and became a coach. So, mm-hmm. you know, I really like admire where everybody is on their journey and, you know, just getting to be a part of it. And it, it just forces you to coach different, you know, like, it's just, like I said, you know, different ages, different experiences, different environments. Um, you know, it's like, you know, all the sports science gadgets that I have, but then I go coach in Jamaica for a week with a soccer club that plays on a dirt field mm-hmm. and we have nothing. So, you know, it's everything I get to do. It's like a constant reminder for me. And obviously you can tell, like, that's how I post on social media. It's always constant reminders. It's not messages like just for you. I post mm-hmm. a lot of stuff sometimes because I need to re- I need to hear it again for myself. Because I'm going to, I'm going to complain because my gym aware ran out of batteries one day. And I'm like, you know, like Mm -hmm. really like, all right, it makes sense. So, well, and because social media came up, Jim's very active. And if you guys want to go follow him, it's at Jim G Y M Ferris, F E R R I S on Instagram. Um, But I'm glad you, you brought out, before we get too deep in this conversation, get way off track. Um, You mentioned a couple of the opportunities there, but when you were coming right out of school, you were pretty much thrown right into being the I'm glad you brought the Sixers. I was going to wait for you to do it. I didn't um, because you're one of the most humble guys I know as far as your experiences and what you've been able to do. But when you came out of college, you were a 22 year old thrown right into being one of the strength and conditioning coaches for the Sixers, correct? Yeah. And And then um, you were there for 10 years. In and out, different roles, probably from two th- the year after the finals, mm-hmm. the 2002, up to like the 2007, 2008. Got it. And Which- it was like I said, it, w- it was just various roles. It was uh, because we were almost like a, we were like a subcontract, mm-hmm. right? 
you know, almost run like Novacare was used to like running with stuff like that with PT. Right. Um, but let, yeah, I, I mean, I had times I was almost like full time to periods where I was like down once or twice a week. Right. Um, it was just depending on the contract. But and I think that brings you such a unique perspective of right out of school being thrown into that situation and having to kind of learn by the seat of your pants, but make sure these guys were provided with the optimal opportunity to compete in the NBA finals. Right. Um, I never, I never saw playoffs. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but anyway, like, um, but then you've parlayed that into now, just to let everybody know what you're doing now, you've parlayed that into an experiences and where you've been able to network. And now you've crafted your own niche of your, you've had your own business now for the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. Um, tell us about your own business and, and what you're piecing together there. Um, and then I would like to get into some of how you've been able to get network. And maybe that's where we focus this conversation and is to maybe for the young professional who's um, in learning how to network and navigate the profession, because you mentioned the Jamaica trips, you've mentioned some of the other stuff. Um, how have you now been able to craft your current business and what types of opportunities have you been able to put yourself in just through the connections you've made? So I think one of the first things I did um, back uh, through the Sixers and the, and the Summit Sports Training Center, the company I worked with was, was one was building that personal network, right? And one of the first things I ended up doing uh, when I left and went private sector was I found another agent because agents have clients. And the, the agent I, I started to work with is Dozy Minobu. Uh, he's the Lehigh grad, played basketball there, I think, in like the late 80s. And, you know, I started this private practice and I had a, you know, an easy first summer because I just had a bunch of NBA clientele and overseas players fill my book. But it was like getting to September and I was like, well, what am I going to do next? Like, you know, how am I going to go find general pop people, uh, high school clients and whatever. Um, but, you know, talking with, with Dozy, it's like, what's the job of the agent? The agent wants to get paid. How does he get paid? He gets his player a contract, right? So we start to spin things. I was like, well, what can you get me? Like, what can you get a strength coach? So um, he started doing some stuff where he brought, you know, teams over here for like a U.S. training experience. And I got to be a strength coach with a, a club for a summer here. And uh, referrals for different agents where players were coming to, you know, train in Philly for the summer and play pickup and do all that stuff. I was like the main go-to person for the strength and conditioning performance side of things. And, you know, he's uh, constantly is, you know, puts things, you know, across my desk when, you know, I've turned down a bunch of stuff just because some of the travel is a little ridiculous and, you know, the pay stuff's not there because it's such an odd thing. But, you know, I wouldn't have had a bunch of these trips to Europe and, and, you know, the ability to consult with some of these clubs without him because, you know, he's had the players, he's played overseas professionally and he has all the connections and he handles all the business work, you know, all the contracts and stuff like that. Cause you know, it's like, you hear nightmares of things. You go overseas and you sign a contract and it's like, you know, are you getting paid? Are you, is it going to, is it going to be legit? Or are you going to get sent home? Um, so that's always one thing I, I, I tell people growing up. It's like, you don't have to just be an athlete to have an agent. Like you can be a strength coach because, you know, there's opportunities that they can create if you have an agent that has that type of network. 
So I think that's a cool thing. If you want to see the world and you want to do some other stuff, like if you train athletes, you know, connect with their agent and, you know, you can spark some ideas up, you know, mm-hmm. one week, two week consultation trips. Like, I mean, I, I was in the CBA for three plus months. Uh, the only reason I came home is because I, I was only married for nine months. So <laughs> I, yeah. I really didn't have a choice mm-hmm. uh, to, to come back. Um, but the opportunity was great. Like it was, it was an amazing experience. Yep. So you've been to China, you've coached soccer team. You, so you, you know, basketball's one of your main, you know, a main interest. You've been to Jamaica coaching soccer teams. You've been to Greece to present at international fitness conferences. Yeah, um, I repped um, Aerobies for a while, the German company. So mm-hmm. I would go to that international, it was almost like an Arnold right in in Köln, Germany every year where it was just like a convention mm-hmm. and you know it's I shook hands with people from you know all over Europe and still have their contacts today right. so you know there's just a lot of ways that you can get yourself involved out there and it doesn't mean it's you know doing equipment rep for something can be like a real quick thing like I'm going to be at the CSCCA next week for free centric mm-hmm. uh, you know displaying k-box and k-pulley and uh, whatever other gadgets that they're going to bring Yep. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can be involved. That's just going to help you personally grow with a network and potential business opportunities. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great thing to think about if you're a young up and coming strength coach, but also you, your bread and butter too is, and how you pay most of your bills, I assume, um, is just training. You found the gen pop clients yeah. and you're training and you have a mix of, um, tell us where you're training currently, um, like small groups, but then you're also doing some in-home stuff as well, right? Yeah. So I, I have a pretty solid uh, cut and paste schedule. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at Bryn Mawr at LPE, uh, which is probably a mile and a half from Villanova's campus. And I have a, a couple of interns of mine own a place out in Ambler called Fast Twitch. Uh, so that's kind of becoming like the afternoon spot for me. So I kind of have a split mm-hmm. day, like AMs in Bryn Mawr, Nova area. And then I come back towards home uh, for the PM type stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's just something that uh, will probably change seasonally, um, but I'll push probably more out this way once, you know, we get back to fall um, just for, you know, it's just a, a convenience thing and, you know, an easy place for me to work. Mm-hmm. Well, because you seem like one of those guys who you're never going to want to lose the in-person coaching, because I know um, at when COVID hit and a lot of that went away, you you were able to pivot as well. And now you have a pretty solid book of online coaching clients as well. So tell me how that works, because really when I, where I want to get to with this is if, if someone's in the Philly area and really with your online program, it's expanded nationally and internationally to work with you, you have all, you've, you've crafted these connections You've crafted these styles of training where you've put yourself in a position where you can pretty much serve anyone that wants your services at this point. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Rise Education Platform. Rise stands for Rehab Integrated into Sports Education. We offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice, as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12-week master's class for clinicians offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorship helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. 
Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the online stuff, um, I mean, that was obviously thanks to you for a couple months before that, you know, giving me the nudge to look into it. Um, but like the turnoff for me, because like I said, you know, we've done stuff before all this was possible with the Google Docs, like, hey, here's your workout, you know, see in a few weeks and come back and, you know, there, nothing was done and communication was kind of incomplete. Uh, but using these online platforms like a true coach, and I know there's other great ones out there. Um, I've just, like I said, I've spent, what is it, two years now, almost three, probably building out this platform. Um, it's just very interactive. You know, like I, I wake up in the morning and I spend a half an hour checking emails and updates on it. And I have video feedback from clients so I can legit assess squats, deadlifts, uh, hang cleans and, you know, whatever people send me for feedback. So send a message right back and then uh, click on to the next one. So it's, I, I look at the list of people and it's not like, oh man, <clears throat> I forgot about this person for like two weeks mm -hmm. because I'm, you know, I, I, I've had the platform, I think up to about 150 people, uh, which included teams and some other like small group projects that I did with it. But it's like, no, like you see it every day, like you can scroll through it and you can you can see green or red if people are on and stuff. And it's uh, it's much more interactive uh, than I thought it would be. And for me as a coach, it's, it's just been a it's been great because it's it's the same thing. It's like you write this workout and then you hit the button and you send it. And I'm like, that's really good. It's going to be a good one. And then they like, they write back and they're like, I don't, I don't get it. I didn't see this. I got to know what that meant. And you're yeah. just like, what do you mean? Like, it's right there. Like A1 and A2, super set, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like a whole different language. And uh, it's taught me how to, I think, be able to coach people better online, you know, because like I've, I've already went through two years of mistakes um, right. and cleaned stuff up. And I, like I said, I've got like 1300 videos probably made um, so far. So, uh, for me, it's like, it's been eye opening how bad I am at doing some specific exercises. Absolutely. Um, I watched the video and I'm just like, Oh man. You, and, and maybe, and I appreciate the shout out, but maybe it took a little urging for me, but you also put in a ton of time and a ton of work to making sure it was built out and it was a robust program for your, your clients. Um, yeah, because like I said, you know, I, I experimented with it, right? Like I, I did different tiering of how you could join like a gold standard down to like a boot camp. Um, I hosted teams on there. And then I just, I got to a point, I'm like, you know, this isn't reality. Well, I hope, I hoped the pandemic wasn't the way the world was going to stay. Right. Um, but I said, what's going to happen when going back to life happens? Because I always believed it was going to, I didn't think, it, you know, not going to get replaced. Um, but I was like, how can I manage this? And, you know, I've dropped it down to, to 50 clients mm -hmm. um, as a max, you know, just for, I know I can do more, but I can give people a better, a better version of me by seeing less people right. on it in a certain aspect. It doesn't mean there's going to be time of years where I can't do a project or something, but, you know, my, st like my steady state on there mm -hmm. is between 40 and 50 people. Well, and I, and I think that's really admirable of you to do that because 
like I said before, like you still maintain your in-person coaching um, because you don't ever want to lose that. You just want to maintain what your bread and your bread and butter is. Um, yeah. But then you have this like lower tier, lower price point where people get a monthly program for you and it's still individualized. And you're, you know, you could bring that up to 100 or 150 people and completely kill it in the game. But you want to make sure these people are getting a completely individualized program that's specific to them because um, your name's on the line ultimately and you want to ride on their results. Right. And like I said, you know, we, we've talked about this before. It's I never want to turn someone away because of legit financial reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's difficult, you know, like I, obviously I have a name in the basketball world. So if I put a video out with a basketball person in it, you know, I get a lot of outreach from from people that, you know, kids and stuff like that. And, you know, I'll talk to the parents and I'll say, look, like, here's the cost. Mm-hmm. But the way we can do it, especially with the online platform is like, is give me a budget. And let's make a timeline. How do you want to make this amount of money spread over one, two, three, four months? And then I put that all into a plan. And obviously, True Coach is, is leading it. And then I say, okay, and here's what we can do from a one-on-one perspective or maybe a small group. Right. And it works out pretty fair that way because people get what they want. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get what I deserve. And everybody's, everyone's pretty happy. Yeah. You, you're always seemingly willing to work with people, which is, it's, is great. You know, um, again, like you, you're pretty much egoless. You, you put the other, the person first, you want to make sure that they're getting the results that they deserve, but also with your experience and your connection and all of that, you want to make sure that you're making what you're worth as well, which is really right. admirable. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what got you, what initially we skipped over this entirely, what got you into the fitness industry? You're this Delco kid growing up. Um, I'm assuming you were a stud at all the sports you played. You, you could jump through the roof. You could sprint a 10, 10 second, hundred meters. Are we um, talking about like Nintendo and Genesis? <laughs> I said. How um, did you end up at Westchester? What was your major? Give me a little bit of background to who Jim Ferris was and what made him pursue fitness as a career. Probably a high school late bloomer. Um, I was a kid that I broke my collarbone in eighth grade. And it was the first time I had like a major injury and I had it right before a CYO all-star game. And I was actually in the three point contest, Mm -hmm. um, which is the only thing I could do because I couldn't really dribble and I wasn't fast, but I could shoot. And uh, I broke my collarbone the day before. And then I was out for like three months. And, you know, I lived like, basically I was like Cartman on South Park. I was just, you know, eating cheesy poofs and watching TV and playing games and I gained all like that young teenage weight had the, uh, you know, the cheeks and everything going. And when I got to high school, I, we had like, you know, training camp, running camp for soccer. And I was, you know, we did whatever we did. The mile was one of the tests and I was literally running like with the goalies and it was just bad. And that repeated again, um, the fall of my sophomore year. And I was just like, I just got to find something like, and that's when I, uh, that's when I joined the crew team. That's when I became a rower. And, you know, we had uh, December, January, February, March, you had, a, you had a four month dry land before you even touched water. So, I mean, and it was just fitness, man. There was no ball involved. There was nothing. You were, you were going after metrics and times. And that was the only way you were going to get better. And that's where I truly got to, you know, 
I guess, learn about work ethic and showing up and um, doing things. And that got me, you know, to join a gym in the off season, um, start to lift weights and that really gained my interest. And, you know, I, I think I thought I was going to go to college to be a teacher. You know, I always just, uh, it's just, uh, I always tell people like you go back and if you watch Dead Poets Society, like that was a movie that like triggered me, like the leadership that Robin Williams like had in that movie and the influence he had on kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to see stuff from the coaching side, um, you know, sports coaches, you know, like you go John Chaney for me, you go Coach K, like their demand for excellence um, that they, they bring out of people. Like there, there is no second best, like they're going to get your, your best and they're going to teach you how to give your best. Um, remember the Titans, you know? So all that kind of stuff was just a major influence on me. And, you know, I, I chose Westchester, uh, one, obviously because of the program and two, because there was no rowing program. Um, I didn't want to row anymore. I was mm-hmm. toasted. I had some opportunities for college and I was just done. I was, uh, it was just very taxing and I just wanted to try to move on and do some other stuff. I ended up coaching like right away. I took mm-hmm. like, you know, a year off, but um, yeah. So that's how I ended up at Westchester and, you know, I picked the major and I'm still doing it 20 plus years later. Yeah. Which is the testament to what, you know, the thing, the, the connections you've made, the, the education that you've pursued, how you've continued to mentor and educate others. Um, because I think you, you touched on something there, maybe unknowingly or maybe knowingly that coaches in the fitness profession and trainers, and we're just really teachers anyway. Right. Um, yeah. Like we're here to educate our clients, to help them on their path, to bring the best out of them, all those things that you mentioned. And I think sometimes that gets lost from many of the professionals, right? It's just, um, there's obviously, you know, fitness, um, there's like the amusement park fitness, which is like the rah-rah boot camps or, you know, the flashing lights, loud music, big groups. And there's all these different segments. But um, so I, th- I feel like the the science and the art of coaching gets lost sometimes. And I think you always bring it back to the science and the art in making sure you're tracking metrics in your programs. You briefly mentioned um, some of the technology that you have with Jim Aware at the very beginning, right? Um, yeah. but that's part of the foundations that you, you always go back to is the tracking of the metrics to measure progression and then coaching and mentoring to make sure you're bringing out the best in your students. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and just live in the middle of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we just have extreme opposites on so many things. It's like, just live in the middle, you know, like, like learn what to collect, learn what not to collect, learn when to collect and learn when just to not even turn, turn machines on, just let them let them train. You know, I just think there's a, you just kind of learn, you know, and like I said, I'm a, I'm a patient person. I can sit and observe and I, I can take notes. And I think a lot of people think you have to have it figured out on day one, you know, with a client, like it could take you three weeks to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like the assessment, the assessments might not make sense. The chessboard might not make sense. It doesn't mean you're wrong with what you're going to do on day two. You might just need more time to figure things out. Um, and I think everyone's always thinking like, it's gotta be perfect. And, you know, like I post a lot of things all the time and like, yeah, look at, look at that exercise. Look at that kid. Oh, why'd you let him move like that? I'm like, cause it can, it can happen. Right. Right. Like, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know? And then, uh, you know, it's like I said, I'm 20 years in and I'm just really feeling like I'm starting to like yeah. get it, man. And that's why I talk to these kids about like, you don't look in pro sports and like head coaches are usually like over 40, over 50 by the time they become a head coach. And, you know, we have people who think they're too smart for the industry after three months because they took one course or, you know, they, they have one experience. But I'm like, you haven't done enough yet for what your potential could be. It doesn't mean you're not good. Like, I know plenty of coaches under 30 years old who I think are exceptional. Mm-hmm. But, like, imagine what it's going to be by the time you're 40 if you do it. Right. Imagine how much better your ebook will be if you waited 19 and a half more years instead of three months yeah. uh, to write it, you know? So I, it's like, you know, create yourself a, a timeline of how you want to go about things. I think that's important, but, you know, enjoy coaching and realize like there's way more coming um, the longer you stay in it. Absolutely. I think that's great. And that's great, you know, guidance for the up and coming professional. But how does that relate then to one of your your gen pop clients as well, where you were just talking about giving things time, watching the progressions, not looking at the next great Instagram model and thinking that should be you in two months. How does that then relate to um, one of your general population clients and, and how do you translate to them and helping them understand sometimes progress and fitness takes time? So, you know, it's, you know, we're going to have, obviously we'll have to sit down and you have to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. So you get a gen pop client that's 45, 50 years old. They've, you could be trainer number 12 for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, find out what it's no different than me talking to an, an NBA veteran. Like, what do you like in the weight room? Right. What do you enjoy doing? What do you not like? Okay. So mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're coming from somewhere where um, you had bad training experience and you got hurt and the sight of that barbell on your, and the feeling of that barbell on your back for a back squat is just the worst thing in the world. Well, why am I going to force it on you? You know, like, so you, you just had to really find out um, their previous experiences, um, what was able to happen and what wasn't able to happen. Cause you have to figure out like, you know, what, what maybe made them short of their goals mm-hmm. and, you know, help them understand like, this is the guideline and plan that we can put together to make it happen. And it's gotta be buy-in on both sides. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's a little give and it's like, all right, like whatever, but, um, you still have to be in charge of the program. Um, and like I said, they're paying you for your professional ability to guide them. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't mean dictate. Um, it means guide. And you need to have a plan A, you need to have a plan A.1, mm-hmm. you know, A.2. And just, you know, sub things out and just find what works. And you know, like I said, you know, it doesn't have to be everything. Like you don't have to do all these crazy tests, but, you know, they could come in and, and squeeze a hand grip dynamometer every day. And that could be their daily readiness. Mm-hmm. Whether an athlete I can put on a gym aware and, and do a 0.85 velocity on the squat. You just have to find there, there's multiple things, right? Yep. And, you know, you might talk to a 12 year old kid and just ask him how he's feeling. Yep. You know, that's yeah. it. So um, everything has a bucket to me. And you just have to pick the right thing out of the bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Like use the right assessments, use the right readiness. Um, how do you express power? You always hear me say, express yourself. Um, and I get destroyed a lot of times for those wet clubs and having people hammer them and swing them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I am, 
I'm getting a general pop person to express power. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I didn't have to coach this. Yep. Okay. I don't like, what is the point of me taking six months to try to help them do a, a hand clean? Mm-hmm. If they don't really want it, if they want it, okay, that's a different story. But if I just had to find a way for them to express power mm-hmm. and I don't have to coach it and I can just step back, there it is. Like, yeah. that's what I want. Yep. And that's what they want. You know, if they're paying me for 60 minutes, they don't, they don't want 20 minutes of me slowing them down, cueing them, then we need to get anything done. Yeah. So I think that's uh, I think that's a thing that, you know, a lot of people miss. It's like, listen, like you're going to get fired because you didn't get anything done with this person. Mm-hmm. They didn't get their heart rate up. They're leaving and they're like, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's an important thing for people to understand, like just, just find what works and do it. And you don't have to answer to the, to the masses looking from the outside mm-hmm. because they're not involved. They're not in the inner circle. Yeah. They're not in the conversation. They're not one getting the check and they're not the person that's happy doing it. So who yep. cares? Yeah. yeah. And I think that speaks to how do you put the person like your client in the best place to succeed? Um, and, and when you just post something online, like the, the, the people, everybody watching is not seeing the context of the session, right? But right. how are you putting your client in the best place to succeed while best utilizing both your and their time that they're paying for without getting too technical? And I think, you know, there's very often I'm coaching less now than I did five years ago, just because you have to understand the variability of the movement and are the, is the person doing what are they expressing the quality like power that you want them to express? And you're not getting super technical where, like you said, they don't really need to learn that nor that maybe they don't want to learn it. And when you're starting to get technical with some of those Olympic lifts, as your example was like the clean or a snatch or, um, to me, that turns into just more sports specificity. If you really want to train those lifts. Right. Yeah. And I think the one thing I got to over the years, that's like, if you're coming to me a lot of times where you're expecting to get high intensity output and half the session is taking low skill coaching development mm-hmm. kind of misses the point. Right. So a lot of times like my low intensity conditioning sessions with clients uh, is exercise skill, practicing stuff. Mm-hmm. So I might give you something uh, for May to work on if we do three low intensity days a week in your program, right? Like you might see this exercise in there, load the bar at 30%, you know, you're going to do whatever sets and reps. Mm -hmm. So you have three times a week, you have 12 training sessions before we might put it in to the high intensity part of the model in June. Mm -hmm. Right. So it it just, that's what makes sense to me. I'm like, yeah, this is how you do it. Like I don't have to, why am I coaching this on the high intensity day? Like I need to prep prime, get them to go and train. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if I, if I prep prime, I'm giving them a great warm up, but then it take 20 minutes to be like, no, no, let's get, let's get this here. And then we, mm-hmm. you know, like you lose the session. Yeah. So all my skill development stuff goes into low intensity days. Right. Right. Okay. And they can watch the video of me doing the exercise. They can type me questions. They can send me video for feedback. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I just think that's a smart approach if, if you have the ability to, to, to program somebody like that. Absolutely. So, so take your, 
you know, take your ideal client or your, your typical client, put that, put that person in your head and um, walk me through, um, if you're okay with it, walk me through what a typical week may look like for them training session wise. If they're training three times a week with you, um, it sounds like you have, you usually put that into certain segments of like, you're doing the low skill development stuff first before you get it. And you're expecting that to be four to six weeks. And then you're getting to more high intensity stuff. Once they're more regular and they've demonstrated proficiency. Like if someone came to sign up with you, talk me through kind of your intake process, your assessments, and then how you're, you're tailoring and monitoring their program. Uh, so most like most of the time with general pop, um, I think we have people coming in with a training background that is uh, too mixed of a stimulus. Okay. So they're just doing too many weird too many things trying to put together in an hour. And I'm not saying it's like going to like a fusion class, like you're going to do like 20 minutes on a bike and then 20 minutes of yoga. Um, but it's like, what are you trying to achieve out of this session? Right? So is it a high output day? Is it a capacity day? Um, you know, is it a high volume type thing? Um, is it time circuits? Uh, is it heart rate zone based? Am I trying to get you in yellow? Uh, Maybe one day a week, we're trying to touch red, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, low intensity days, we, we're doing blue and maybe touching some green. But usually when I get somebody into the program, um, I usually end up starting with three or four days a week of, of high intensity um, because I want them to understand the difference. Like, you know, so if I brought you in for four days a week, maybe Monday and Thursday, we're trying to uh, do things that raise the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tuesday, Friday, we're trying to fill the room. We're doing volume, we're doing capacity, we're doing repeatability. Mm -hmm. And the other days is I'm trying to get them to do these low intensity strategies um, that they're not used to doing that are very hard for people to do mm -hmm. because they don't think it's enough, but they don't understand how it influences those next days coming. I mean, you right? shouldn't be sore after every session with nothing no. left in the tank. No, I mean, you know, it's people just live in that 75 to 80% mode right? And they can never really take it to 9,500 because they're always just living in the middle, right. right? So I get them to do these things. You know, I start doing some nasal breathing type activities with them, you know, just like 20 minute cardio where I'm like, just try to breathe, you know, just your nose. No mm -hmm. one can do it. No one right. does it. They're like, mm -hmm. it was, no, I was, I lasted like three minutes. I'm like, yeah, cause you went too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Um, so that's part of the buy-in is, is in how the program design is. Mm -hmm. And if they can get through those three or four weeks, you know, and I'm taking metrics with their training. So I'm actually showing them what they're doing. I think that's another thing people miss. Like they don't, they just think out working hard is going to pay off. Well, like you have to have something to measure sometimes to look at, to see was your effort rewarded? Like, did, is this making sense? Yep. Because it, it, it will tell me from a side, obviously, if I'm programming correctly, like maybe I have to back off some of the volume, mm -hmm. um, but it lets them know like, oh, OK, wow. Like. I thought I was bringing on this day, but I'm not. And then we can have a discussion. It was like, well, what did you do yesterday? And it's mm -hmm. like, well, I do too much. OK. Yep. You know, um, because we're playing, you know, we're trying to play the long game with these people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell people a lot of times, you know, because people will train with me, but they'll have memberships to go somewhere else. You know, they have access to different things. I'm like, just because someone, just because you're paying for an unlimited membership doesn't mean you have to go every day to a high intensity or whatever session. 
Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's going to be good for you in the long run. You know, right. it doesn't mean it's good for you to go to yoga seven days a week if you're not doing something else to complement it. You know, so um, it's just finding balance in your program and understanding how to manage your systems. And that's just that's the starter for me, you know, and people are like, think it's cool because like they, they send me their heart rate monitors now. They take a screenshot and it's like, oh, man, like. Right. So mm-hmm. it's uh, like I said, as much as it is this physical work, I'm trying to lay an educational foundation for people um, for things that I hope we don't have to talk about three months later. You know, like, listen, I, I don't I'll, I'll recue it. I don't want to have to teach you a push up again. I want you to understand what a push-up is, right? Like, yeah. I want you to understand what heart rate zones are. I want you to understand what this is, you know? So it's not like we're just doing like a workout, like an A, B, or C, and this is what we do. It's like, no, like, here's a three, four-week progression. Here's right. what we're going to look at. And this is what we do in these four weeks. And it sets us up for these next four weeks. And, you know, then you go away for three weeks. So this is the plan. And this is how we download, yeah. you know, regress or something, you know, maybe for some time away. Um, but I want people to just have a good understanding and be able to know what to do on their own and use me for different things, right? Not saying I want to be more complicated and I don't, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, you can't touch certain things. There's no point unless they can do some of the, you know, have a, have a master's of the foundation stuff of what you, what you expect people to have a grasp on. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just took it right back to your, you know, one of the main tenets you always go back to is the education of the clients. And I think you're, you're getting buy-in from some of those people that are used to going, you know, high intensity, hundred percent of the time, because you're showing them the results and they're feeling better during the process because you're able to fluctuate their training appropriately and not always have them redlining at every workout. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, so what's next for you? You have all these things going on. I know you said you're going to one of the major strength and conditioning coach conferences as a, um, a company rep next week. Um, but what's next for you um, moving forward in business and life? Um, for me personally, it's uh, like I said, you know, I, I've taken a deeper dive into the, the golf training market. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I, I love golf. I love to play. Um, but um, I've gotten more of a passion into the coaching side of it. Um, not saying I'm giving up the other stuff, but mm-hmm. I just think, uh, you know, maybe it's the dynamics of when you work with clients in their, you know, thirties and forties and fifties. Now golf has become a very common sport and it's a very unique thing to me because there's no sport in the world where I think you could see somebody on a chessboard or, or training and have like, you look at them and you're like cringing at how they move but they can still hit a golf ball. Yeah. Right. Like you go, you, you can get, you can go to a, a country club and you can find a, a 78 year old guy who can walks with a cane and you're like, and he's going to, he couldn't, he's like a scratch golfer. Cause he's right. still, he, you know, so there's no sport that I think ha- that has more compensation strategies than golf. Mm-hmm. Like people can't squat, people can't reach, people can't go arm overhead. They can't do this, but they find a way to hit a golf ball. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that says something I think it says something about resiliency and pliability. We always talk about, and it's like, if they can do that, then there's a way for them to be able to train, Yeah, you know, not saying they had, they have to go through all corrective strategies and stuff like that, but they're finding a way to golf, mm-hmm. right. They're finding a way to swing a golf club violently or whatever and, and hit a ball accurately. So it's like, yeah, 
you know what? Like, there's definitely a way that person can still train. It's just finding strategies and finding ways that work for that person. And, uh, you know, that's just exploring everything. And I think that it's a discussion I've been having a lot with people because you see my videos. It's like, it's all this, these, uh, it's squatting with a, with a safety bar in your hands in reach position. Yeah. Right. Like, um, you know, squatting for me, was, was, has always been tough because I just, my, the way my back is mm-hmm. and me using that assist, like just eliminates everything. Yeah. You know, like obviously wedges are out there now too. Like we're finding all these cool things that help put people under load mm-hmm. um, and able to train hard. Yeah. And then go do whatever they have to do for themselves, whatever resets or, or things that we have to might take time on to fix. But it doesn't mean we have to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to wait like three or six months before we load this type of strategy. Yeah. No, there's ways you can load it. 100%. Absolutely. And I think that speaks to your time in the game and the education that you've been to because there's always a way for someone to train and you don't have to. You're finding, like you said, like all of these people, everybody has compensation, right? And you really need to strive toward what we would consider in quotations, perfect movement. Or can we bias training to fit a person's body type and movement capacity and work in correctives there somewhere so you can still continue to train them hard versus um, even recently people were saying, like you said, you like you shouldn't load dysfunctional movement, but maybe there's a different, a better way to train this person or a better exercise for them at this point in time. Right. And, um, and I think that um, speaks to your philosophy that speaks to the things that you've done to better yourself educationally. Um, But I think if, if, people are out there looking for a trainer and they've been told all these things like you should never squat again because you have a bad back or you should never deadlift because you have a bad back. I think you should stay away from absolutes 100% in the fitness industry because there's always a way that you can find an exercise to challenge your strength and power and capacity to get the results that you want. Yeah. You know, we, we went through that corrective decade where Mm -hmm. people bring in their, their medical injury history and you read it in front of them and you're like, Ooh, ah, Oh, we can't do this. Yeah. And now like when people come in, they tell me their stuff. I just go like, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot, yeah. A lot of people have that. Yeah. You're, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's go left. And they look at me like I'm nuts. I'm like, no, that, this is how we'll do it. Mm-hmm. And they go, Oh, wow. Okay. I can put front foot lifted on a, on a low box and I can have one hand holding a suspension trainer. Yeah. And now I can stay upright. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, this is how we can do it. Yeah. So, like, you know, I think that's an important thing is to not like freak out in front of people when they tell you what they're dealing with or where they're coming from. It's kind of just like, yeah, all right, cool. We've seen it before. Yeah, there's a way to train. Let's go. Yeah. And that's a, we could go down this whole rabbit hole of our reactions and our, the language that we use with people. But I think that's just, uh, if we're going to get any point across and the, the, the one of the most important ones is the one we just made is there's always a way that you can train. Um, you know, more and more studies are coming out saying from a medical side that most people have a disc herniation or a rotator cuff tear, a labrum tear and, and surgeries. We're prescribing a lot more surgeries. And of course, I'm coming from a biased physical therapist point of view, but um, there is research out there saying that there's a there's um, surgeries being overprescribed and you're getting the same outcomes with conservative care as you are with um, surgical care. But I think it's just finding the right people and finding the right professionals that understand what's going on and understand how to work you through the injury process. Yeah. 
And like I said, you know, I went through it. I think I, I was a little like hands up, not, you know, oh, I maybe we shouldn't do this. And, um, you know, you just learn like, okay, yeah, there's ways to do it. And that's why I always say like, you know, if you treat people like glass, they'll shatter like glass. Yep. You have to teach people how, how they can be resilient, how they can be pliable um, in certain environments, in certain situations. And yes, yeah, some exercises are going to be a bad idea. All right. Mm -hmm. But like I said, you know, if that's really what you want to do. And like, I know you do it with people, you go, here's what you do from a prep side of things. And here's what you do post that exercise mm -hmm. to give yourself the best, whatever one to do it and two to overcome whatever problems it might rise up for somebody, you know? So it's just creating strategies for people. That's all it is. Yep. And uh, let them go about their day. Love it. Um, so in closing here, Jim, I want to, we, we do this with everybody is we just kind of end with five final five questions to give people perspective into who you really are. Um, let's do it. Let's just get into it because I want to, I want to hear some of these answers. I think I know some of them because you've, you've shared many of them online already because you're pretty active yeah. online and, and you give people insight into who you are. Um, okay. but what would be your walkout song? Number one. I think my walkout song, I'm going to like home plate. I mean, or, or maybe it's just your first session of the week. You're walking in on Monday morning. I mean, it might have to be, it might have to be thunderstruck. That's classic. It, it might have to be that you set the tone, you know, mm -hmm. I, I mean, thunderstruck's always played in Thor and Thor when he drives that hammer into the ground, you know, it's just like, you're setting the tone. For those of you that are wondering, Jim has his own Thor ha hammer. Um, favorite exercise? Uh, right now, right uh, now, the hand, the hand assisted uh, safety bar squat. Okay. If you had one food for the but rest all, of your all life. all time hammer strength incline press, that's my favorite machine. Okay. Uh, how with often rubber, do you work with with rubber bands attached? <laughs> when right. was the last time you did one that? of the best pump? Um, it's been a while. It's been a while because I usually where I lift it on Fridays doesn't have hammer strength. So was that your Friday pump before you met your wife? You'd always yeah. hit the hammer strength incline. Probably since like 1999. <laughs> <laughs> um, one food for the rest of your life. What would it be? Oh. Pizza. Any particular spot in the Philly area? I'm a big Stogie Joe's guy. South Philly. It's like mm -hmm. walkable to Newman Gretti High School. Okay. Square pie, like upside down, sauce on top. It's different. That's classic. Um, what's your guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure. Um, I don't think I have anything that's guilty. Mm -hmm. probably the guilty part is probably too many double IPAs fair that's definitely fair do you have a go-to um obviously I, I I enjoy exploring them um I, I'm a big fan obviously of tired hands and mm -hmm. then you know obviously anything from the Vermont area that you just can't get your hands on yeah um you know obviously heady toppers and some other stuff that you know might come down from there Absolutely. Um, and then finally, what's your favorite thing about the Philadelphia area as a lifer? You've been around, you've seen it all. What's your favorite thing? I think because 
we're, I was telling someone yesterday, I was like, I just have a weird thing with when we lose, I love listening to sports radio mm -hmm. because the true personalities come out. Yeah. Like if you listen to WIP yesterday after the Sixers lost, oh, it was just people where it was just their souls. It was real. Like people were losing their minds. I don't know. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm worried about this. Yeah, I don't be. know. It should be. Oh, oh my goodness! Could you imagine? Yeah, but I just um I just enjoy you know I, I I've been to a, a, a lot of cities and Philly I think is just a perfect size, yeah, and it's just got such dynamics to it. Like you know, like uh, you got the Fish Town, then you got the South Philly, then you got Center City. It's just there's so much you know variability down around and just a great place to walk around and you know you got fairmount boathouse row which is obviously special to me mm -hmm. yeah yeah excellent um well jim let people know how they can get a hold of you if they want to um get a hold of you for training services or just to kind of see what you're doing what's the best way to get a hold of you what's some of your social media so uh gym ferris uh is instagram it's uh gymferris at gmail.com for my email. Um, Jim Ferris is on same thing with Twitter as well. And, and, uh, and you're yeah. super active. You're putting up multiple stories and posts a day. I don't know how you do it and stay on top of it, but um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's, it's an annoying amount to some people, but you know, yeah, it's what it is. But Jim, this was a special interview for me. I appreciate you for all that you've done, done for me, um, for everything that you've done for strength and conditioning professionals, the rehab profession um, as a whole. Um, I think you're doing great work. You're, you really bring people back to the center. Um, and then online, when you post something, you're not afraid to be challenged. You'll get into a healthy debate with somebody um, and you'll learn as much from that debate as hopefully the other person learns, but you're never... Um, shooting someone down, you're taking it on. And, and I appreciate that about you too, is where you're all, you're always open for a good discussion where um, you could learn that you can learn from. So I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. If you ever see me in unhealthy ones, just tell me, get me out of it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, Jim. Thanks a lot for hopping on. Thanks my man. All right. Have a day. Good stuff, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. And um, you're the best. Rock on. All right, cool. Um, what's your week look like? Well, actually, next month I'm going to get crushed. But anyway, let's get out first week in June, like on a Friday yeah. or something. Yeah, um, I got to go on your link and reserve that for some. Do I have to pay for it or just reserve it? No, you have to pay for it. But we only have 36 people right now. Last year we had 100 something. So there's still a ton of space. Okay. All yeah. right, I got to make sure Strag is in and all that. Cool. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. All right, man. I'll talk to you. All right, buddy. See, See you. Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes, and they go such a long way, we really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it. iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it.
put it on social media, talk about it with your friends, send it in a text message, whatever you can do to share this episode because we put a lot of work into it and we want to make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness Philadelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding. This is Fitness Philadelphia and have a great day.